I'm Chris Peters, and this is the Consultant Side Gig Podcast for those seeking a future in marketing consultancy to complement their day job, or for those looking to build knowledge that enables them to build a full-time career as a consultant. Building your own marketing consultancy doesn't happen overnight, and it's not down to luck. So we share the stories for those that have done it, are doing it, and the lessons I learned along the way. We'll unpack their tricks and tips to kickstart your very own consultant journey. So let's go. So welcome to the first edition of the Advisio podcast. I'm joined here by our very first uh, guest, Susanna. Uh, Welcome to the Advisio podcast. Thank you, Chris. It's my pleasure to be here with you today. Great. Well, I think we we talked uh, a couple of weeks ago and we started to get into a really good conversation about your background and we, we purposely stopped the conversation because I thought a lot of that conversation would be really, really suitable for the wider community. So I wanted to use this as an opportunity to pick up that conversation, to really kind of pick your brains and kind of your experience with consulting, your journey. It looks fascinating on LinkedIn, and I think our audience will get a lot from that. So before we kick off, it'd be great just for our listeners to understand a little bit more about you, how you got here, what you're doing now, but what you've been doing uh, that allowed you to get to your life as a a consultant. Okay, so I I have about 26 years experience in two large corporates. Um, The first six years I I spent... uh, with uh, Citibank, and um, my job was to um, literally start up the bank in in Hungary. I'm Hungarian by origin, and um, it was a fascinating time. I often talk about that time as a startup community uh, in Hungary at the time. Everything changed in a very, very short amount of time frame. And um, because of the, the, the fast pace of change and because of the complexity that we faced, it's quite similar to today's complexity, So, which needed agility, which needed certain leadership skills um, to start with. So it really defined me as a person, although this was the beginning of my career. The last 20 years I spent with Hewlett-Packard and Hewlett-Packard Enterprise, and I had various roles um, uh, as a business consultant at the beginning, then moved on to um, industry marketing, global product marketing, and then finally field marketing for eight countries. So I really had a, a bouquet of experiences ranging from business developer, product marketeer, product uh, launch person to uh, to running large-scale marketing field operations uh, for, for multiple countries. And after 26 years, I felt that um, it was time to change. I I felt that my um, my I was inspired to do a little bit more. I was inspired to do it for multiple companies, and um, I I felt that I could stay within HPE, and it would have been one choice. But the choice that I made was to step out completely and uh, start my. I would call my second career, really, um, where I wanted to experiment what it takes to be an entrepreneur. I was often called an entrepreneur within HPE because I, I had that sort of drive to to create, to to, to change things, and to build um, new projects, innovations within the company. And I was really 
fortunate that the company allowed me to experiment. At the same time, I really felt that it's time for something new where I can try it out for real, then I can jump myself into the into the far end of the pool and say, okay, how does it feel to be in the pool, not just sort of on the side and then trying to figure out, okay, how would it be in the pool? So I made the jump uh, in 2020, actually at the beginning of uh, 2020. Great. So if you can just perhaps elaborate on what that jump looked like, what did you end up doing? Because it looked like you had a substantial career, you could have took undergone lots of different routes uh, but you went into a very very specific path so you can elaborate on the the journey and the path that you took so the journey to transform myself to an entrepreneur started in uh, 2020 and I had a very clear idea which of course then changed three times over right sort of I mean that's my maybe introducing my first learning that it's really good to have an idea then really, you need to experiment what this really means on the market. And the idea I had was related to the job that I I did before. And uh, what I noticed in my previous uh, job, and then often these are how companies start, right? I mean, you see a problem and you fell, uh, fall in love with the problem. And then you say, okay, I mean, I really think that everybody has that problem. And then you sort of start your path and then you realize that even if everybody had that problem, maybe that problem is not at all important or not at all strategic or actually they don't have the money to solve the problem or they can live happily with the problem. So um, so I had this idea that uh, the go-to-market, the way go-to-market happens in B2B uh, markets or B2B tech companies needs to change because indeed we, we... we put a lot of effort in figuring out that how we're going to grow, how we're going to keep our customers, how we're going to extend our relationship with our customers. And then uh, we believe that the market has not changed and we have these lists of uh, lists of customers and we think that, okay, that we, we really know who we want to uh, target. And then we try to figure out from various databases how these customers are and where they are and what the contacts are. And then I think it's very, very common in today's B2B marketplace to really start your go-to-market journey by having a list. And then my last job at HPE was sort of, as I said, running business development and marketing for for eight countries. And I was very data-driven and I knew how much problem there is in the data. And then I had a long experience working with large databases with with large set of customers. And I I said, okay, we cannot focus on 100,000 corporate accounts, right? There is no way that this is possible for two reasons. One, we have internal resources and we have internal limitations of what we can actually look after. Second, the market is not there for us to to wait. Oh, hey, uh, nice to meet you, HPE. I mean, I've been waiting for you for the last six years and then I'm so happy that you came. So we really need to match um, our value proposition to the market and then understand where the market is and then how, where where customers are on their journey and really who we can target. So that was my whole idea or, or an idea that we had uh, with a partner of mine. Um, and, and, and together we said, okay, we really, uh, we really been in this marketplace. We've done a lot of the, 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 the inner work 
inside of companies and then Hans was outside. He, he, he was already a consultant uh, before. And then he said, okay, let's really focus on this problem and, and see where it leads us. So, that, so the first lesson that I, I'd like to pass on is that, that really understand what is the problem that passionates you, right? I mean, every one of us, and, and I do a lot of coaching also with, with individuals and mentoring and, and, and then I do the same for companies. Like I ask them, when you think of a solution that you're selling today, I mean, what was the problem that originally this solution addressed? So what was that problem that, um, that this solution really can, uh, can change? So there is, there is a change that this solution brings to the customer. And then can we understand what that change is, right? So what is it yeah. that we're trying to address with that, that solution? So, so to me, that was very important because you really passionately have to believe. And when you are a consultant, I think you have to passionately believe that that you are out there to solve a problem and, and you have a personal connection to that problem. So I had a very personal connection to that problem because of my corporate experience. And, and that leads you to really go deep to understand, do other people have this problem? Do they want to solve this problem? Do they believe that this is important to solve the problem or they actually can live happily after with status quo and they don't want to change, even though they recognize that there is a problem, but they say that the change and the fear of the change, that the, the risk that we're taking with this change is bigger than our pain sitting with this problem. So my second advice would be to really figure out with your clients that, okay, this is a problem, understand what this problem is and understand how important it is for your for potential clients to to solve this problem. And so that's really how it started. So I was passionately in love with this problem. I believed, you know, that I've seen enough companies to to make that assumption that uh, it's an important problem to solve. At the same time, what what led us to sort of uh, various routes and paths and and pivoting and re-pivoting is that the problem is very, very strategic. And it takes a lot of guts for customers to say, okay, I'm really going to do a huge transformation of the way I've always done go-to-market and I'm going to do it this new way. So you really need to be patient. My third advice is, is you really need to be patient because things take time, especially if your consulting business is about something quite strategic. So, so my free advice for people who are transforming, fall in love with the problem, understand what this problem means for your customers, understand what your, what your solution is to that problem and what change it brings, and understand that really what is the likelihood or what are the alternatives that, that exist today that make customers move away from the status quo, either because they're too afraid or because they're driven. But they have to move away from status quo, and, and you as a consultant, you need to understand this. So. That would be the beginning, I would say. Great. And, and and just talking about that transition. So you've spent 20 plus years, high flying corporate career, but you get to a point in this stage in your, your life where it, it's not enough and you need more, more fulfillment and you've transitioned to be a successful consultant. But that interim period between high flying corporate career consultant doesn't happen overnight so how was that transition from your nine to five senior leadership role and how did you start working on your consultant proposition 
Is this something you've done in the evening, something at the weekends? Did you have an aggressive, I quit my job, handed your notice and start um, exploring and following up potential clients? Like, how, how did that uh, manifest? Mm. I think it's a very good question. And it's in one word, it's painful. Okay, so I'm not going to sort of uh, try to uh, put a, a lipstick on this or, or sort of a, like a pink cloud. It, it is it is a it is a journey. It's a painful journey, I think, uh, especially if um, if financial security is is something of an importance to you at your stage, right? So I think first of all, I I was in a situation where financial security was not um, a major driver at the beginning. Okay, it became a driver over time because you you are given a you given a time within which you have to do something, right? But at the beginning, this did not bother me. So this was not an obstacle I needed to overcome, and I was able to step out completely and then focus on okay, what do I want to create? What is that possibility yeah. that I want to create? But my advice to people would be, and that's the advice that I received. And to be honest. Before I stepped out, I spent a number of years. Okay, in my case, why I had to spend a number of years within the company to prepare for the step out and even allow more time to be in the transition is because I had 26 years within two yeah. enterprises. It's a huge amount of time. And what happens to you in that huge amount of time is that your identity is very much linked to the debt of the corporate identity. You don't know if you were to step out what belongs to the company and what belongs to you as a person. So that work had to be done before, during, and, and even today in the transition to understand that when you don't have any corporate backing, when there is no logo behind you, when there is no title behind you, then who are you? And that has to be defined extremely carefully because otherwise your value proposition is not going to stand on its own because you're going to be always in this turmoil that is it me, is it the company, right? So, so to me, just to summarize, three years before I quit, I started to prepare and I did not start to prepare with a deadline in mind that, okay, by year 2000, I need to step out. This was not that. But I started to understand myself a little bit better. What drives me? What, uh, what's important to me? What are my values? How do I show up in the world? What's passionate? What, what really uh, passionates me? And, um, and also, what can I solve? I mean, what, what, what are those elements in me that allows me to solve a problem? And what are those things that hold me back from solving that problem or stepping out? So all that beginning of the work was done between, uh, let's say, 2018 and 2020. And then it was 2020, 1st of April, when I stepped out. And of course, it was not as simple as just uh, saying goodbye. I mean, there was an internal restructuring uh, which uh, which allowed me to uh, to rethink or, or allowed me or pushed me or pushed me really really hard to say that that's it this is the time 
now I've been pushed so far and, 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 and to such an extent that there is no way back. So even if I spent 20 years in HPE, I was able to step out without any regret. And that was a good feeling to step out and feel exactly nothing, like nothing. You're 20 years and you feel there is nothing left here. So you can make a move. And then the second part started when you are alone and say, okay, who am I? Now I really have no title. I have, you know, I, it, even after three years, it, it takes me a lot of time to think about how do I introduce myself, right? Because yeah. how do you introduce yourself? I mean, you say, I work here. This is my job. This is where I work. I became a former, right? A former marketing lead, yeah. a former HP person, a former something, but that's not a way to introduce yourself. People don't care what you used to be, where you used to work. I think people care about what can you bring to me? What is it that allows you to bring me value? And so you, you really had to figure out how do you introduce yourself? I mean, that to me is also an important thing that that, that all that work that I have done is what allows me to introduce myself, right? Yeah, and that's the and, start of the conversation when you pitch for a for a project. Like, who are you? And, what and can how, you bring? And how do you introduce yourself now? To be honest, I mean, my trick is that I always introduce myself in different ways. I mean, every time I meet a potential client, if if the person did not know me, because often in this sort of world, again, my world is quite strategic, is quite transformational, so. Often I go through my existing network or people who knew me, introduce me to people who don't necessarily know me. And so I come with that sort of luggage, which is, I hope, a positive luggage to say that, okay, she, these are the things that she has done. This is how I worked with her. This is what she brought to us. This is the value that she created. And then from then I take it. And then in other cases that if I meet a leader and, um, and then the person says, okay, we meet in a certain context in which they're trying to change the way they manage people or they're trying to change, they move to remote businesses. Then, you know, I could say that, you know, I, I managed people for 20 years in a, in a remote environment. I started to managing people remotely when there was nothing but a phone line all the way of the last 20 years. If I meet someone who is extremely data-driven, then I introduce myself that one of the things that I... I really enjoy is to work deeply with data and, and I can get these structures well in place and then and then we take it from there. So, I mean, I really take their point of view of what, what could be interesting for them about yeah. me. So, I mean, so, I, I, so, who cares so, who I am? They only care what can you bring to me. And, yeah. and So just ad ad adapting what you need to and just dialing up what you need to based on the person that you're speaking to. So, so going back to that moment where there's a lot of, soul searching self-reflection in that three-year period before you make that leap when you make that leap did you have clients that you were canvassing for did you have clients lined up or was it a very aggressive stop no clients and then day one you're then canvassing you're reaching out to your network to inquire about clients i suspect that you it would have been difficult if there was opportunities to bring over clients that was going to be um, a challenge how did it look like finding your very first set of clients so i stepped out 2020 
first of April, right? And um, I think we get the first client in um, October 2020. So for six months, nothing. And and I think it was really... So, okay, yes and no. So sort of throughout the development of the value proposition and the, 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 the solution proposition, we reached out many in our network for advice, for guidance, for feedback. Um, and are these, are these potential prospects and clients where you're reaching out just to, to suss them out and, and let them know that you're available? Or was it a genuine piece where you're trying to get feedback on your value proposition? It was a genuine, let's get feedback on the value <clears throat> proposition. Because mm-hmm. if I talk to 20 people who I suspect has this problem, then I let the universe you know, guide that conversation to say that one of them is going to step out and say, actually, I have this problem and can you help me? But we did not yeah. go into those conversations with that sort of pretend, like you pretend yeah. to ask feedback and then you actually don't care about you it. You want to sell like, them. It was, yeah. it was genuinely yeah. trying to figure out that what, what really helps them. How do you uh, come up with the messaging that really resonates with these people, right? And and now that I'm thinking about, actually, I started two little engagements, and then one of them was more like like gratitude towards someone who uh, I, I felt that I could help, and then it, it allowed me to test, you know, sort of my way of working. And so I, I started that engagement with them, and it still continues today. And then it moved into a partnership, etc. So you, again, it was it was not planned like this, but it, it just worked out like this. And I also started another engagement at a startup. I mean, literally pro bono, because I wanted to test myself to when you have, you know, I mean, you come out of the corporate world where your budgets, um, and I mean, I, I had at my disposal quite a substantial investment possibility and then I had a lot of people and then we had a lot of partners and we had we had a lot of uh, strategic partners and etc who have done the work so I really wanted to understand that at the beginning of a startup when there is nothing no brand value no value prop no customers lining up can I really uh, bring value and what's that value and what would interest me and and what's not interesting to me so there was a pro bono engagement and that started quite quite early in, in 2020 as well. So maybe in a couple of months into, into the value proposition. And then it was a great learning experience because yeah, then I understood that, yes, I can bring value to this uh, startup, but they cannot consume my value. Not necessarily at that stage. It's too early for a startup to consume my value. So it really helped me to create the the, the portfolio of, okay, these are my ideal clients. My ideal clients have to be in a complex environment. The solution has to be complex. They've already had to done their first maybe 100 client sales. They had to have the first you know 100 clients on board, and then they're really at the verge of scaling, maybe to a new country, maybe to a new product, maybe to a new solution. And that's when I can help because it's complex enough for me to engage. So that was also a learning process. So I experimented myself as well not only the solution okay great so on that pro bono piece so despite offering your services for free there's still a need for that startment 
a startup to commit a lot of their time and they would still need convincing even if it is free so what did you do that enabled you to convince convince them like what was that outreach message look like like how how did that go and was it linkedin email an introduction no no again i think you know after 26 years and i know this doesn't apply to everyone but hopefully there are some people in your community who are going to say that, yeah, after 20 years or 30 years, I'm ready to jump in and I want to try out something. So that's more an advice to them or more a situation for them that in 20 years, you've got to have an enormous network, right? I mean, in, in, and, and, and I, I think this was also somewhat conscious on my part that even as a leader, I was not internally focused. I was always externally focused. Externally focused to customers, to partners, to providers. I had a quite a vast network at my disposal to say once I jump out, then it's it, again, it was not planned like this. But I, that's when I realized the, the power of the network and what the network. So back to the startup, it was someone that I knew, someone who I met. He did not know me, so we did not work together. We just met once in a in a retreat and then sort of we kept in touch and it was funny and we had a lot of common, you know, sort of uh, people who we knew. And then I just called him up and I said, I want to test this idea with you. How does that sound? And he said, okay, I mean, why don't you test it on me? And then this is how we, we started to engage. Great. Perfect. And going back to that jump, and I don't want to, label on this point too much there's lots of questions I still have but so you you had that three years of self-reflection uh to make that that leap uh, without clients lined up and you took that six months period before you built up it is a learning for you that there might be an opportunity to to start to canvas for for opportunities whilst you was at your full-time corporate role do you feel like actually taking that six months jump without uh, the corporate position you was able to to find yourself find your value proposition or do you feel in hindsight if you was doing it again you would try and have uh, clients lined up I know you mentioned that you was perhaps in a position where the financial constraint wasn't so much of an issue but yeah just trying to understand do you think you could have waited longer to secure those clients or did you need to make that aggressive jump I had to make the aggressive jump mm. okay so there was no uh option or I actually felt that there is an there is a window of opportunity within which I mean I make it now or never. You know, because yeah. then you you would say, okay, maybe I can still find another couple of years in me which sort of can keep me in the company. And I, I, I'm really grateful for that, that that I was sort of I had to stop it and I had to jump out. So I think it was it was a good thing retrospectively. It it, it might maybe other people if they heard the story, they would have said, okay, uh, it was really, really painful and they would have done it differently. But I feel, you know, sort of somewhat, I mean, I feel gratitude that actually life has given me that push and that opportunity mm-hmm. to say, okay, I'm out. And in terms of sort of, and I think of, you know, the potential people who would be interested to to have a side gig, I think, I, I, I think you should really create your, you know, sort of your inner compass as to say that, okay, so what's important to you, right? When when you when you make that jump. So if financial security is important for you, and then I know people who are doing side gigs, actually, I was talking to one of my 
you know, mentees, like, like some people that I'm mentoring, and she's in a corporate job and she has already the side gigs. And then she was very conscious about doing it this way, that she created her value prop, she do, did the training, so it did not stop her from yeah. uh, from creating, doing the right thing while she had the job. She, she had an opportunity in which she she was able to take the time in the afternoons or in the evenings or on the weekends to to pick up new learnings, new trainings, create her value prop, create her website, and then come up with the first client before she is able to to make the jump. So I think that every story is going to be different. I think it you need to decide what's important for you, what is um, sort of how, how ready you are, you test yourself, maybe the solution that you, you want to uh, do your side gig on is something relatively safe for customers. Why not jump? And then you don't need to do a lot of thinking and then the thinking is going to come along the way as you learn. I think if you do a little bit more strategic things, then I would really take the time as I have taken. So I have no regret about the time that I have taken because when your solution is quite strategic and quite transformative, I think you really need to know what you're talking about because you really need to make it safe for people to to trust you, to take them through the transformation. So you really have to talk out of your guts, not just sort of, you know, from your head, but but sort of from your heart, in your gut, it has to really be sound. And then the, the, the least you know, sort of uh, uncertainty that you have is going to show to the client that you're not ready and then they will not jump. However, if your solution is something that, um, I mean, I don't want to use the word transactional, but maybe less of a risk, then I would experiment through one job after the other that really what your niche is and what your uniqueness is. Why not experimenting while you're doing it? So I think there is not a single answer to that. I would not change the way I have done it, for sure. No, not not a single answer, but a bunch of great answers. Um, so I am conscious of your your time. So I want to um, hone in on a handful of questions that I have here. So I think one one point that people reached out and asked asked me about is that that payback period for when people do make that jump. So you mentioned there are some of your friends and lots of people part of this community will use like side gigs to help build up their confidence experiment and build out a, a safer base before they make that leap some people actually more like myself as well is actually this is just a complementary supplement to their their main gig so to speak so with you making that that jump that that period of you getting back to that that financial status that you was at your uh, current role was that something that you was able to achieve or did it take a year, 12 months, 18 months, 12 months. And then also on that on that journey, how have you evolved your your pricing? Do you have set retainers? Do you have it per pro, uh, per, per product, per, um, per uh, transaction? Or do you have a retainer with like a minimum commitment over a certain period? With the nature of your consultancy, as you mentioned, it's very strategic. And with that, are very transformational i think it that will inherently be a longer a commitment so how did you approach uh the pricing structure but also you know when when did you kind of get to that point where you was in your previous role hmm. so the the bad news is that i'm still not where i used to be okay 
but in my particular case, I probably, uh, I probably, I'm not bothered about this. Yeah. Okay, so I'm not, I'm not worried about the fact that I'm not earning as much as I, I did, and and maybe that's a, sort of a topic of another podcast when I can share that experience of what changed as a result of that. But let's just stick to uh, to pricing. So indeed, the the fact that my 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 proposition is quite strategic, and I want to see the impact of what I created, it obviously means dropping the value along the way. So yes, there is a retainer part that is very important in these particular cases, which you can call coaching or mentoring or sort of is is really how you how you make sure that what you've created is going to actually get implemented and 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 used within the organization. And and also the second part again, this is about sort of my pricing, right? So if you you think about okay, what what consultants of your caliber get paid in companies, you more or less can get that sort of benchmark price and then I'm not outside of that benchmark price, right? Sort of, I mean, it's, mm. it's really at, yep. at par of what people in my caliber would ask for. And then third way of looking at pricing is the value that you create. So it should be also a little bit of a portfolio. So when you, uh, it, it could be that you get, I don't know, for me, it's, it's also important that, Let's suppose that I I, I do a, a big, more strategic gig. Uh, I'm much happier to get maybe a share in the company than, um, than be paid for my time because I also have this intention to, to bring over time passive income so that it's my income is not 100% related to what I do. So it's all of that experimentation as well that it, it could be if you do something quite transactional, why not? Just price it according to what the market would get and then make sure that your value prop is unique and stands out. If you think that what you're creating has a huge impact, why not price it according to the potential impact and the percentage of that impact that you create, right? Sort of, I mean, if you are in in sales development or opportunity development or in a strategic deal, why not price yourself as a percentage of, of the win, right? Why not share the risk with your client? And then finally, if you're more in a in a long term game, then either think about retainers or literally think about, you know, part of the or maybe a share or or sort of some sort of revenue scheme or partnership scheme that that you can have. Amazing. Um, so I want to ask one more question, uh, and, and that's over the last couple of years, two to three years. What's one of the biggest learnings that you've um, had on this journey? And how would you apply that if you were to do it again? The, the biggest journey or, or sort of the, the biggest learning for me in the last three years was that, um, that at the end of the day, it's, it's really about your internal drive, right? Sort of you've got to know why you do it and what you want to get out of this. So if your intention setting at the beginning is that it's just a side gig, you know, if, if I can, um, you know, measure yourself that, you know, it gives you satisfaction that you learn about other clients, you learn about their challenges. And then if your intention is that you really want to change the world and then you know that it takes a long time before 
things are going to get ready that, okay, you need to figure out your runway to, to when things mature into, into that uh, possibility. If you, um, you know, if you really, you know, sort of if, if, if money success or the number of clients is something that excites you, then, then I think, you know, then do that. It's all okay. I think to me, the biggest learning is that, that I, I, um, I almost did not know what to dream about. And it's so important. What is your, what is your intention with this? Right. So I, it took me a long time to, to, to step into this, to say, that's what I want to create. And, and, and again, some of it can be blamed of the fact that for 20 years I was given that framework. I was told that in this corporate, this is your scope, this is your framework. I, have, I was given the possibility to, uh, to create within that framework, but I never questioned the framework. And, and for me, the big transformation was that I am my own framework. So what do I want to create? And it took me a long time to figure that out. So... I think finishing on I am my own framework is incredibly powerful. Um, I don't have any more questions. Is there anything else that you feel would be incredibly beneficial for our, for our listeners um, to learn about you, where they can find you on your socials? We'll add that to the, the show notes. Is there anything else that um, any parting wisdom that you would like to uh, share with our audience before we go? I, I think the only wisdom that I would I would have for for your listeners is that that they should you know not waste their time on things that is is not you know they're not passionate about. It it makes no sense to do a side gig just to drain energy. Do your side gig that gives you the kick that drives you that gives you the energy because that's why you do the side gig. Right? Yeah. Otherwise, just sit in your job and then, you know, do the quiet quitting uh, sort of way of working and then, or dream up your next gig, whatever the time, use it for the right reasons. But if you do a side gig, you better do what excites you, what passionates you, what, what drives you so that you really get the energy that you put in that. Because it's, it's, it's a lot. It's a lot of energy that is needed. So make sure you get that back. Amazing. Let, let's finish on that, Susan. Uh, let's finish on that note, Susan. That was a very inspirational. Um, we'll follow up on your uh, credentials and where people can find you in the show notes. Thanks for thanks for chatting, and we'll speak soon. Thank you, Chris. Take care. Bye bye.